Let's see, this is week two and the end of a, a little kind of two-part series that we're calling Legacy. Legacy. And, and you know, the word itself, what it, you know, it, it's, I think the best way I can describe it or define it is it's living a life that outlives me. Living a life that outlives me. And last week we talked about our, our life sentence, our life's sentence, so our, um, our purpose, d- defining, you know, uh, putting a target. A lot of people, I think, <clears throat> accept their lives. They don't, they don't lead their lives. And, and legacy is, is being intentional with the time, the talent, the treasure that we have. We talked a lot about that last week. But it's almost, if we could, in one way, is, is we write out, we're writing out our life sentence and we're living towards that, whatever that may be. And thinking about that this week, you know, I left, I left last week and, you know, the, the message, um, you know, I go home and I just start like thinking about all the things that I shouldn't have said. And, and then, you know, all the things that I should have said. I, I don't know if you do that too, but I, but I you know, I was, I was just thinking, you know, my life sentence has been pretty rocky. Like if I was to boil it down and look back through my life and, 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 and write the legacy, I can't say that I've, I have lived towards a common purpose my entire life. If you'd asked me in my teenage years what my life sentence was, there would have been a few cuss words in it probably. See, so, you know, like I, I, don't even, I, I don't even know what I would have said. And then once I, you know, I became a Christian around 18, 17, 18, my, my senior year of high school. And, and, and then, you know, that brought some, a little direction in my life, but still what was really like important to me was I just wanted to make enough money so that I could just surf all the time. You know what I mean? Like that, that would have been my life sentence. Like I, I my first semester in a community college was, my major was uh, meteorology. I just wanted to study the weather because surfing is dependent on the weather and, and, and just try to like rotate my whole life around this thing called surfing. That was my life sentence for a little bit. Um, and then it changed. You know, I, I started really wanting to start a family and I, I met my, you know, at the time, started dating my, my, my now wife. And so if you'd asked me in those years what my life sentence would have been, it was, you know, to provide for her, my family and, 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 you know, prepare a place for what would be my bride, you know, eventually and, and have children and all this stuff. And but even in the last 10 years, it's changed like a ton, you know, like I, I, I you know, I, I went, to, had a, got a little bit of Bible college in 18, 19, 20, and uh, couldn't really find a place that I felt like I was supposed to go work full time. So I worked at Pepsi for about a, 10 years. And if you'd asked me in that time what my life sentence would have been, I, you know, my sights were set at climbing the corporate ladder, you know, I wanted to be the operations manager, or the general manager, or the, the people that I was looking up to in my life at the time. I wanted to do that. That was my goal. And then with church and ministry and, you know, things like that, it, it's, it's, it's like a moving target. And so I've, I've you know, I've, I've been thinking about that and, and I don't know if there's a better, better model for us when it comes to living a legacy and defining our lives and what we're going to give our lives to than the one that we worship. 
And we celebrate his coming, right? We sell, it's Advent season and, and it's a beautiful season. But it, I think if we were to show up in Jesus' life when he was in his teenage years, he was in a wood shop making chairs or who, who you know, he was building furniture. And then towards the, you know, kind of later in his, his late 20s, early 30s, was when his, the legacy kind of shifted from making furniture to his, 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 uh, his ministry began. But the, I think the common theme here and what we're going to look at today is I want to look at the life of Jesus and how he found his legacy and walked in his purpose. Because more than just you know, you know, him being the son of God, the way that he lived his life is, I think, the best way that we can live our lives. There's not a better model out there. There's a ton of leadership stuff on how to live your life and per, you know, a ton of Christian books on purpose-driven life and you know, how do we find our calling? How do we define our legacy and live towards it? There's a lot of good stuff on that. But I think the best thing we can do is read between the lines in the life of Jesus. And how did he do that? How did he, how did he live towards his purpose in the short life that he had, 33 years. How, how did he do that? And there's, a, there's a, a moment in his ministry, and we're gonna look at just about just a few verses where he's with his disciples. So he's, he's, he's out of the wood shop now and he's doing ministry. And by the way, his ministry began kind of on accident. It wasn't like something that there was no timeline to it. They ran out of wine at a wedding, okay? That's a problem, all right? That's how his ministry began. It, there was, you know, and, and, his, and they, they came to, to marry his mother and said, well, we're out of wine. This is a problem. You know, they would have wedding feasts for days. You know, they would party and they were out of wine. And then she said, well, hey, just listen to him talking about Jesus. And he turned water into wine. And that began what's known as his season of miracles. So it wasn't, I don't know if it was something that was premeditated. It was the timing happened. And, and so where we are today in our text, we're going to look at Matthew 16. Matthew 16, and Jesus gathers his disciples around and he asks them this question, who do people say that I am? Jesus asked a lot of questions, but that's one of the questions that, you know, why did he ask it? Was he genuinely like curious when it comes to defining, you know, living our legacy? If, if, le if legacy is living a life that outlives me, at some point we got to ask ourselves that. What's the word on the street about me? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Do, you know, do people say I'm a good boss or am I, am I a bad boss? Do people say I'm a good employee, I'm a bad... I think that's really what Jesus is asking here. You know, who do people say that I am? Let's read it together. Matthew 16, verse 13, Jesus came to a region, a region in uh, Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied... Some say that, you know, you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Still others, you know, maybe Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, looking at the disciples. Who do you say that I am? And only one was brave enough to speak up, Peter. He said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, 
This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father, which is in heaven. So Jesus is asking a legacy question here about his own life. Here he is, he's about eight months from the cross here. So it was the summer in his, in his calendar, and April would be the resurrection. And so this is about right now. I mean, it was summer or fall when this was happening. So Jesus knew that the cross was coming in eight, ten months. That's all he had left. And so he genuinely, I think, wanted to know, what are people saying about me? Who do people say that I am? And the disciples, like any good employees, didn't probably shoot straight with them. Because the real word on the street about Jesus was, that was the G-rated version. <laughs> that he was John the Baptist and Elijah or Jeremiah. or one of the pro- those, were, those were good people. The, 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 um, the Pharisees in, in Matthew 12 called him a demon at one point. That he, was, that he was doing all this work with, with, he was tapping into evil to cast out evil. Isaiah 53 says that he was a, a, a man of sorrows. He was rejected and despised by the people around him. Now, hang on a second. Here is Jesus, the son of God. I don't think there's anyone that ever lived more, more in smack dab in the middle of God's purpose for his life. And most of the world around him that had no idea who he was. And when I say when it, when it comes to living your leg- legacy and defining your life sentence, there's going to be seasons in your life where you may not even know what it is. And then there's going to be seasons in your life where you're right in the middle of living exactly what God's called you to do, living your legacy, and everybody around you is trying to get you to be somebody else. Or they're throwing stones at you. Or they're trying to get you, to, you know, to, to stop living your purpose. you got to remember, there's a real enemy out there. The last thing he wants is for you to, to walk in God's, in God's will for your life. And so if we really study the life of Jesus, it was really hard for Jesus to be Jesus. Because the people that he came for, which were, were the Pharisees, those were the ones that disliked him the most. Like the, the, the church of the time, you know, the, the, the organized church of that day were the ones who were causing the most grief in his life. That's why they always said, man, oh, you just hang out with sinners because they were nicer to him. They, they, that's, they accused him of being drunk. All you hang out with is, what, you know, all these crazy people because those were the, really the ones, I think, that truly understood who he was. And so you here in the 21st century when it comes to walking and right slap in the purpose that God has for you, it doesn't exempt you from being misunderstood. Because there's going to be times in your life where you're doing exactly what God's called you to do, and there may be some people that don't agree with it, or they don't see it. They don't understand it. One of our uh, trustees, and I didn't tell him I was going to tell this story, but... Um, you know, he was, he's a doctor, a chiropractor, started a couple practices in his life, but there was a point in his life where he felt like God was telling him to shut his practice down and go on the mission field. That sounds great, right? Yeah, let's do it. But that means living off of one month's pay as a doctor the whole year. That's what you get paid as a missionary, is beans and rice. Come on, somebody. Now, how many of you would get excited about that? (laughs) 
How many of you, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you know on paper that makes absolutely zero sense? When I first felt God calling me to do this, there was a few people in my life that I really, really wanted to, 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 to be okay with it. And, and the ones that I, I really was looking to for affirmation thought that it was the worst decision that I could make to go into the ministry. It thought it was a fun, like a joke. And, and so there, there was, there was, there's been times in my life, and maybe you're not there now, but you have been, where what God's calling you to do is not in popular demand. And, and what's so, I think, hard about this, especially if you're, a, if you're Gen Z or a millennial or you're you know, a post-millennial, you're in high school or you're raised on social media, is we tend to think that what's good and right is based on how many people like it. And so we throw something on the internet and we, we gauge how good it is based on how many likes or clicks or how much attention it got. But how many of you know that there's a path that God's called us to walk as Christians that is not a popular path? And it may mean leaving success in, in, in the eyes of the world to follow after this carpenter. And so it's hard to define legacy. You know, it's, I know it sounds glamorous, but there's times where you may be right in exactly where God has you. And it doesn't feel that way. And no, nobody understands why you're doing what you do. And, and maybe your kids don't understand why you're praying for them every night and why you're trying to tell them we need to get in the Word and we need to read the Bible or, or, or why your employees or this or that. You've got all this drama and you feel like you've got to explain yourself. Let me tell you something. You don't have to explain yourself to nobody. As a Christian, you should live for an audience of one. And if Jesus made it his mission to try to get everybody to understand why he was here and what he was doing, he would have never, ever accomplished what he was here to do. He was like, his recruiting methods were crazy. He would just walk up, hey, drop your nets and follow me. I'll make you the fishers of, a fisher of men and walk right off. There was no convincing. There was no, there was no, you know, uh, you know, just, he, he knew what he was here to do. And even when he was misunderstood, he didn't let that stop him from fulfilling what he felt like God had called him to do, his father. It's a beautiful thing. But I want to just encourage some of you. Like, you may feel like you're a million miles from your purpose because there's people in your life that don't like what you do or don't like you know, what you're about or, or, or how you're going about what God's called you to do. But at the end of the day, you really only have to give an account to one person. And what you did with the time and talent and treasure that God gave you, I mean, it's good to have consultants and, right, there's, there's, there's uh, wisdom in the multitude of counselors and safety, right? I'm, I'm totally for that. But there's, there may just be a season in your life where you have to jump out of the boat and you're the only one willing to take that step. And all your, you know, the, the other 11 were just sitting there talking about how crazy Peter was, because he was going to take this step of faith. And, and I want to encourage you. I want to I try to motivate you to be crazy enough just to do that. <laughs> Whatever that may be. And, and it's so hard to, to put it in a schematic. And there's no way to give three, you know. I mean, there's principles. There's guidance. But I think every single person, God is calling you to live a, a life that's unique to you. 
And when we look at the the life of Jesus, I I think this was something that he thought about. There's got to be a reason why he he gathered his disciples around him and asked, "What, what is my legacy? What are people saying about me? But that's not really what I want to talk about this morning. What I really want to talk about is, is, is the, the, the end of that conversation, verse 25. So Jesus, is, this is a legacy question, and his, his disciples answer him. Peter understood what he was here to do. Peter knew exactly who he was, and then he gives some advice on how that we can do that same thing that he's doing, how that we can live into our legacy. How, how is that going to look and feel in these bodies that we're in. And this is the advice that Jesus gives to his disciples that I think that all of us can benefit from today. He says, you wanna live a legacy? You wanna find your life? Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life, for me, will find it. So what good will it be for someone to be successful at everything and gain the whole world, hit every goal in their life, but forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now, what does he mean by that? I don't know. Come back next week, seriously. I am still trying to figure it out. The best that I can tell, seriously, I'm just gonna level with you. I really don't know exactly, but I think that I don't think he's telling us to live or to leave the life that God has called us to. I think he's calling us to be willing to leave the life that maybe we thought we were going to (laughs) have. Have you ever woke up and just you're driving to work and you're like, this is not where I seen myself at 37. (laughs) You don't have to, don't raise your hand or, or, you know, you go home after work and you're exhausted and you've spent all day doing what you do. and, and, And it's just like, this is not the way that I envision things to be. Maybe I'm the only one. Okay. <laughs> now we'll talk about this three-letter word because this is what I, th- I think Jesus is really saying here. That there's a life that we can live no matter what it is we do, no matter what it is that we lead, and there's this hidden world that he talks about, he calls it our soul, that to me, that's where the seed of desire sits, and that's what motivates every person, which you like and don't like. It's, it's, it's the real you. It's your, it's your soul. According to Jeremiah, it's the part of you that was with God before you put on this body, and it's the part of you that will go back to be with God when this body is laid in the ground. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's the purest part of you, your soul. And there's a way to live this life where we almost disregard that part of ourselves. And I think what Jesus is saying here is, is, is if we want to find our life in God, we've got to be willing to leave the life that we maybe thought we were going to have. Or the life or the version of life that we had envisioned when we were the captain of our own soul and thought that we were really steering the ship. And if you haven't found out yet, you're not. <laughs> that, that even, and, and Jesus required this of all of his disciples, 
they left their, their lives. They left the tax collecting and the fishing and, the, and they, they, they left those things to follow after Jesus with really no guarantee at all. It was a total instinctual thing. It was a total just, I don't know who this guy is, but I feel he's calling me to, to this life of meaning and I'm gonna follow after it the best that I can. And, and the problem comes though is that you can have two people that do the exact two things and they're completely driven by different motives. Because at the time, you know, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and, and the Pharisees who were the people that represented God at the moment, at that time in history, were totally driven by self-motivation. But their life on the outside was completely perfect. They were doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons. It's like you can have two employees that do, that do the exact same thing every day, both successful, both get promoted, started at the bottom, and end up running the company one day. It's, it's, the, it's the story we all like, the story we want to hear. But one person was motivated by money and getting ahead and would do whatever he had to do to get the promotion. It would step on people and would, it, like, it, all that he cared about was getting to the top. But then you had another employee who came in with this mindset of, well, I think I'm here to serve other people. And, and, and I think I'm here to help the people that are around me every day. And, and I think I'm here to lay my life down for those that are around me. And both of these people end up getting promoted. And both of these people end up at the top. But one has a soul that's disheveled and the other one has a soul that sleeps well at night. And the driving force behind the one that just stepped on everybody they had to, had to step on to get to the top is what I would call ego. Ego motivated, end up in the same place in life, but one, the driver's seat, what was at the center of what was pushing and promoting them was himself. And that is not popular preaching. And that is not, I mean, that's, that's, and that's something that like I still deal with and every day because pride is deceptive. It's like, how, how do I know when I'm in ego? How do I know when I'm, and, and the best acronym that I have found for ego, this is how I know when I'm making decisions based on ego is because I'm just, I'm edging God out. I know the Bible says this, but you don't know what they did to me. Mm. I, 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 know, I know that this isn't right, but this one time I'm going to just cut a corner because I really need to close this deal. I really need, like, like it, it's just a slowly drift where we're, we're not really consulting with God anymore. It's not even in our vocabulary. We got our sights set on something higher. Does that make sense? And it's, it's in our daily decisions. I don't think it's just like one-time decision that we make and I'm just going to live in, in my ego my whole life. Nobody does that. It's just the, the daily decisions that we make, it, it's a slow drift from God at the center and then we just slowly put ourselves there. And if it's not good for me, I don't know if I want to be a part of it. And this is the life that Jesus is warning his disciples of. Because believe it or not, his disciples had a little bit of ego. 
right before he went to the cross, the last con- one of the conversations they were having is with their, with their parents, who's going to be the greatest? <laughs> the, you know, Jesus is heading to the cross, and they're like, well, who's going to get the CFO role? I, I, I want that corner office, right? I've been eyeing it, my, you know, the last three years. Like, 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 I mean, everybody has ego. Everybody has that part of themselves that, that completely is not attuned to the needs of the people around them. And, and it's just, I just want what I want, and I'll get it however I need to get it. And we'll edge God out, and we'll edge God out, and slowly but surely we drift and when Jesus says that, you know, what does it matter if you gain the world and lose your soul, that's not a, a destination, that's a diagnosis. Because somebody that lives that way can g- literally gain the whole world and they're not fulfilled. It's never enough. But there's a better way to live. And it's a hard way to live. And I don't think it comes naturally. I think what comes naturally is, I mean, one of the first words that we learn is mine. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, we're just naturally geared that way. Like, I just, you know, I mean, but as, I think as we, as we grow older and as we realize, okay, we're not going to live forever, and I can't really take any of this stuff with me, whether my name's on it or not, but I think, you know, we can shift from this ego-driven life to the a three-letter, same three letters, but I think this is the way that God wants us to live is rather than edging God out when it comes to our daily decisions, but it's exalting God only. And it, it sounds, it's super, I think it's pretty, sometimes we overcomplicate it, but it, it's just, Lord, is, is this what you're calling me to do? Lord, I, I mean, God, am I, am I supposed to sign this deal? Is this a good I mean, I know it looks good on paper, but is this, is, this what, is this what you're calling me to do? That job, they called me back. The opening's there. I'm going to make more money, better benefits, but is, is this God, is this what you're calling me to do? And it's, it's a life that is centered around God and not me. And I wish that I could say I've batted a thousand with that, but I haven't. Because even, even as, as, a, as a pastor, there's times where I, I'm, I'm asking myself, is, is this what God's calling me to do, or am I just running on ego here? I want a bigger church, more locations. This isn't just, I mean, this is across all spectrums of life. Do we really need more? And so when we settle in ourselves that we're going to live this way, it puts obedience in our hands and outcomes in God's hands. Because we, we were never meant to live with the pressure of life. <laughs> that the, the, the big decisions, the heavy lifting, were, were created to put those things on God. That, that, you know, I mean, I would love to write my life sentence, but my life is not my own. <laughs> And I really want to live the life sentence that, that I feel like God has, has given me to live. And I, I look, like the way the writer of Romans puts it. It says, so this is, this is, how do we do this in a practical way? I, this is what I want you to do. God helping you. Just take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. 
Embrace what God does for you. Embracing the outcomes that he gives you. It's the best thing that you can do for him. What if my whole life, everything that I do, everything that you do is just meant to be an offering to God? It's not for anyone else. It's not for me. It's not for you. It's not to make my mom happy or my dad happy. Love them. <laughs> Love you, mom. Right? It's, it's, it's not to, it's not to like, like we, we, we put all these constraints. What if I looked at my life as my life is not my own and I just, I, everything I do, everything I put my time, talent, and treasure towards is an offering to him. It changes everything. So, so really, the, the, the priority is, is no longer, yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the periphery, but, but I really, really, really want to honor God with what he's given me. I want to honor God with my life. And, and, and there's a gaining, Jesus is, is telling us here, that there's a gaining that leads to losing, and there's a losing that leads to gaining. That the, that the more that I lose my life in, that e, in the bad three-letter ego, edging God out, the more that I stop making decisions that way and say, all right, Lord, I'm, 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 I just want to bring you glory. I just want to do what you've called me to do. I want to be who you've called me to be. I want to say what you've called me to say. The more that we can live in that vein every moment in the present, the more we're going to begin to see God work in our lives. And the people around us, the more that we're going to leave a legacy well beyond anything that we could ever do in our ego over here. Because <laughs> you can do a lot in ego. You can build a lot of stuff. But at the end of the day, that's not where God's called us to live. And so we, we find our, our legacy. We find our legacy. We find who God's called us to be when we're willing to depart, to depart from a life that's centered around ourselves, around me. Now, it doesn't end there. One chapter over, and then we're going to pray together. It's really quiet in here. This is tough, I know. <laughs> How did Jesus find his identity? And then I think there's, this, is, this is really, really good here. There's two places where God speaks to his son in, in the New Testament, two times that God the Father speaks to Jesus, the son. One was at the beginning of his ministry where he went from making chairs in the woodshop to, to miracles and signs and wonders for three years. The other time was right after this conversation, about six days after he gathered his disciples around and said, what are people saying about me? And and then he, he takes three friends up on a mountain. It is called the Mount of Transfiguration. And so Peter, James, and John, he, he didn't take everybody with him, but he, took, he had three close friends that he, that he took with him. And he, they go up on a mountain, and the same three things that God the Father said to Jesus the Son when he came out of the River Jordan when he was baptized, he says the same three things to him again. And they go up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and it sounds something like this. God the Father speaking to his, to his son. He says, this is my son in whom I am very pleased, in whom I love. Listen to him. So they go up on the mountain. All right, we're talking about legacy. Jesus is, is I mean, asking questions like, who do people say that I am? Nobody got it right but Peter. And then he takes him up on this mountain, and, and, and there's this moment 
where, where God speaks from heaven. Now keep in mind that Jesus knew he only had a few months left here on earth. Now keep in mind that, that, that even the people that were following him really didn't know exactly who he was. They misunderstood him. But what I love about this is it really has nothing to do with what Jesus, his, his vocation or his career. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This acceptance, affection, and affirmation. And I think when it comes to living the, the life that God has called us to live, the best way that I can tell to do that is reminding myself and you reminding yourself that you, you've been designed to hear from God. That's what separates you from everything else on this planet. You have been designed. You have a soul, right? You're a soul that, that lives in a body, but at the deepest part of who you are, Jesus said things like, my sheep will know my, my voice. And so how, how do I know that I'm on the right path? How do I know that I'm, I'm living this legacy, that I'm, I'm, I'm walking the, the journey that God's called me to walk? Well, in the critical moments of Jesus' life, his dad showed up. And not only did he show up, he spoke. And when I look back over my life, that's exactly how God has done it for me. In, in, in pivotal moments in my life, God has showed up and he has spoken. When people have misunderstood me, when I didn't even know what I was supposed to do in my life, like I, I'm just confused, don't quite know, like, like th that God in all his goodness, because ego can't hear from God, edging God out. That part of us, our flesh can't hear from God, but that part of us, that spirit, that soul part of us that says, I just wanna exalt God, all it knows is God's voice. Come on, so like all it knows is God's voice. And, and the more that we can live in that side of ourselves, because everybody, nobody's exempt from ego here. Like I can snap right into it in a heartbeat. Every, I mean, man, it's just me. But the more that we can say, all right, Lord, I'm yours. What am I supposed to do with the next day I have, the next week I have, the next year I have? Maybe I have a decade. I, I don't know. Maybe I have two decades left. I, I, I don't know. But the best way to find your legacy is going to be revealed by listening to God. It's going to be revealed by listening to God. And he may confirm it through a, a pastor or a priest or a coach or a family member. But, but at the end of the day, I want you to hear this and we're going to pray. And I know I've gone a little bit long, but God created you to hear him. You don't need a priest to help you do that. You don't need me to help you do that. You don't have to consult or phone a friend. That when it comes to the life that God's called you to live, you can trust his voice and his guidance and his instincts. And when I'm living in, in, in that mindset, God may call me to leave my job. God may call me to sell my practice and move to Portugal. 
God may call me to leave a job that I really liked to go work somewhere that the first day I showed up, I cried. I was like, I made a huge mistake. I called my wife. I was like, I miss God. (laughs) I want to go back to Pepsi. Uh, I cried leaving the office. I'm like walking down the office crying. I'm like, why am I doing this? But I was doing it because I felt like God had called me to do it. And my wife said it was okay. So no, no, (laughs) those two go hand in hand. Come on, somebody, right? Yeah, they do. They do. They really do. But let's just 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 bow your head. Let's we're gonna we're gonna pray together. Because maybe there's some people in your life right now that are just misunderstanding you. You're not living the version of you that they want wanted you to be. Or maybe you're fighting opposition right now. Or maybe maybe God's calling you to make a decision that just doesn't make any sense on paper. So Lord, we come together and we just ask again as your children that you would lead us with that still small voice. that we would slow down enough, get still enough to really listen for that. And so I pray for the people this morning that maybe you feel like you've never heard God's voice, but maybe it comes as an instinct. Maybe it comes through many different forms. But there's this unseen hand that governs the universe. And the more that we can make it our mission to bring him glory, the more we're gonna hear and know. So Lord, I just pray that your voice would be loud in the hearts and the spirits of your people. Lord, I pray for just clear direction. And then God, I just ask that you would help us all to live a life that outlives us by showing up wherever we show up on Monday morning with the mentality that I'm here to help, that I'm here to serve, not here to be served, I'm here to serve. I'm here to lift up the people that are around me. Lord, help us to be aware and attuned to the needs around us, but most of all, to your voice in our everyday life. We just thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.